what I liked about his work was that he said design, you know, that the fact that it looks good is not just a luxury, it's a necessity. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. We're back. It's incredible. <laughs> After yeah. months of silence, we finally made it. Anyways, glad to be back. And my name is Moritz Stefana. I'm an independent designer of data visualizations and I work as a self-employed truth and beauty operator out of my office here in the countryside in the beautiful north of Germany. And I am Enrico Bertini. I am a professor at New York University where I teach and do research in data visualization. And I'm not in New York right now, but <laughs> it's fine. Normally I'm there in normal times. <laughs> Where did times. you go? Where did you escape to? It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> in a secret location. But I in hear the there's mountains. a lot of snow in it. I'm uh, hiding, a, a nice hiding in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. As one should in these times. Um, anyways, on this podcast, together we talk about data visualization data analysis, and generally the role data plays in our lives. And usually we do that together with the guests we invite on the show. That's right. But before we start, a usual quick note, our podcast is listener supported, so there's no ads, which is quite nice. And if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us with recurring payments on patreon.com slash datastories or if you prefer, you can also send us one-time donations on PayPal uh, following this URL, paypal.me slash datastories. Yeah. So the topic today is one we had on our <laughs> list for a long time. We are going to discuss Edward Tufte's work um, and <laughs> his new book. So he has a new book out. Uh, it's called Seeing with Fresh Eyes. And yeah, we'll use the opportunity uh, to talk about this whole body of work and his influence on the data we've seen. And I'm sure many of you will have heard of him. And if not, uh, yeah, you, you will hear uh, about uh, uh, what what this uh, man has contributed to, to our little <laughs> data we've seen. Um, and we have a special guest uh, we want to bring on later. But before, we wanted to mention a few quick projects we've been working on in the meantime. So mm -hmm. the first thing, what kept me busy and honestly also sort of kept us a bit from recording, I'll have to admit, was I was involved, or I'm, I still am, in the German COVID-19 vaccination dashboard. So it's the IMF dashboard, vaccination dashboard. And yeah, we built an interactive mobile-first site showing all the vaccination statistics in Germany launched it like six weeks ago and now keep updating it and keep refining it. And it's, it's uh, yeah, it's great to be involved in something as important as this and, but also quite demanding, of course, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> Anyways, you can check it out. We'll put the link in the show notes and it should hopefully translate well also to other languages. At least that was our goal. Yeah. Th that's a big project, Moritz. Congratulations. It's, uh, I mean, with this, you're reaching I don't know how many people, but it's, yeah. it must be exciting and frightening at the same time. Yeah, and it's really like <laughs> relevant information and we want to get everything right. And, and one of our goals was really to, to make it so accessible that everybody can consume it well. Yeah. And so yeah. we didn't like try to do super fancy Sankey diagrams or cool interactive charts, but really yeah. nail the basics really well and have really good text and 
generate text automatically and have really accessible and responsive charts. And yeah, I'm sort of also a bit proud how it turned out. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> yeah. should be. <laughs> yeah. And it's worked together with Studio Nand and Cosmonauts oh. at King's, I should mention. So oh, yeah. Not, yeah I've the usual, little, usual suspects. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. By now, yes. Yeah. By now. Yeah. What have you been up to, Enrico? Uh, lots of crazy things <laughs> in my life. Of course. But, of course. but um, on the more professional side of things, I just want to quickly mention a couple of things. Um, there's, a, there's a tool that we are publishing online that is called Slice Lens and is part of our larger... Um, effort to create data visualization tools to help people understand machine learning models. Mm-hmm. And so how do you support, say, data scientists or even domain experts in understanding how a model behaves before you actually put it in production, which, as you right. can imagine, is, is quite important. Mm-hmm. And Slice Lens is one of the first things that we are publishing out there. It's a little tool where you can select the attributes or variables of, of your data set and see how the model behaves in specific subsets. And the idea is that the system guides you in selecting these subsets. So mm-hmm. you're not just aimlessly browsing. The system tells you, oh, since you're selecting this, why don't you look at that? Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a little bit of a recommendation engine behind it. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. It's really simple, but really clever. And I think the general paradigm of Oh, here's a split of the data you might want to look at. It's really powerful. And that's that's, that's really what cool. I love of, of the project, even though sometime in the research community people say, this is too simple. <laughs> Which <laughs> I, it's like, it should be a positive thing, right? Yeah, it's too yeah. simple. What, what is too simple? Anyway, so the second thing I want to briefly mention is that my excellent PhD student, Daniel Kerrigan, has been helping me over the last two years with my InfoVis course and has been developing over time observable notebooks for teaching. And I started publishing some of these notebooks online and I'm, I'm so happy with it. And mm-hmm. um, as a general remark, um, observable for teaching has been has been a godsend for us. I, I, I absolutely love mm-hmm. it. I could talk yeah. for hours about it. But if you, if you want to take a look, we will put the links in the show notes. And uh, I'm happy to share because they can be used by other teachers or people who want to learn through these notebooks. So yeah, and yeah. the collection is growing. So it's a, it's a good resource. I like it a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's another thing that happened in the meantime. D3 turned 10 years old, right? And that's oh, been like the most yeah. influential data visualization library. And yeah. as, yeah, as some of you know, like Mike Bostock, the original like author of D3 moved on to working on Observable a few years ago. And it's, it's really turning out to be a really promising platform for creating cool interactive database and sharing database and sharing the makings off database, right? Yeah, and so exactly. That might yeah. be worth another whole episode. Oh yeah. Observable in specific or interactive notebooks, interactive documents, such a cool Oh field. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Anyways, that's for Anyways, another day. Yeah. Today to we want to discuss <laughs> uh, more classical stuff than futuristic uh, interactive notebooks. We want to talk about Edward Tufte's work and his perspective on database. And we have a special guest that some of you might be familiar with from previous episodes or because she was part of the Data Stories team even. And so <laughs> hi and special welcome to Sandra Rentgen. Hi. 
Hi, hi Moritz, hi Enrico. It's hey, really Sandra. great to be back. Hi, thanks, thanks so for much. joining us once again. Yeah, yes, and it's really it's fun. Yeah, and I think you're perfect um, match for this episode. Uh, you're an acclaimed author yourself. You know a lot about historical database as well. Mm. And yeah, you have followed the scene for a long time. So we're really interested in hearing your thoughts about Edward yeah. Tufte's work. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we can uh, throw a good uh, mix of opinions together also because we come from different backgrounds, like mm -hmm. the three of us. So I think it's going to be a good mixture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What is your background, by the way, for other people who don't follow you? My background? Yeah, it's a good. Uh, that's a good question. I should note uh, here at, right at the beginning, I'm more of a humanities person, actually. Mm -hmm. I've studied art history and uh, cultural theory. So that's more of, you know, that's, that's sort of the background I'm coming from. And And as some of you may know, I've started looking at the field of um, yeah, infoviz, dataviz some 12 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, looking more at contemporary work in the field and trying to observe how it evolves, how the whole dataviz scene evolves. And then a few years ago, I also turned into looking at the history and I've published two books about that as well mm -hmm. and that was really interesting and uh, that's also you know very related to Edward Tufte's work because he's also uh, done a lot about um, yeah making us obs uh, observe the history of the field so mm -hmm. yeah yeah and your, your last book looked at Charles Minar's work called the Minar system exactly and, uh, yeah you went into great depth uh, uh, discussing all of the the this great historical works from Charles Minar from the 19th century. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it was really Tufty and also uh, uh, Michael Friendly who sort of paved the ground mm -hmm. for this kind of research. So, so I guess we can, we can look into uh, a little bit into how they, how they yeah, started threads of research with uh, their books. And um, so Edward Tufty has certainly um, yeah, provided a lot of impulses for that. Yeah. I mean, maybe to provide a bit of background. So He used to be a professor uh, for political science and statistics and computer science at Yale. And I think he wrote his first books in, in the 80s, I would say, right? Sandra, do you know uh, when, when the series started, like he's famous for? Yeah, uh, the first book came out in uh, 1982. That was, the, that was the publishing date, but um, I know he's been working on it a few years earlier. Yeah. So the, the research and the, the concept for the book goes back to the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that first book is The Visual Display of Quantitative Information. I think without spoiling anything, I think it's one of the cornerstone books in data visualization. Yeah. Or maybe mm -hmm. absolutely. it's like one of these lonely island books, you know, like if you can only bring three books. I think for many of us, it, it would be the one of the ones. Mm -hmm. The first few yeah. pages are just a home run. You know, he starts with Ainscom's Quartet. Like, why do we even date why do we even visualize? And he, he has so good examples, like why visuals are so much more powerful than any other form of representing information. Mm -hmm. uh, then Jon Snow, the cholera map, uh, Charles Minaris, the famous march to Moscow mm -hmm. diagram. It's all there just on the first few pages, like, you know, and for a lot of people that was the first exposure, as you said, to, oh, there has been data visualization before Excel, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's actually super interesting, you know, what people <laughs> did in the 19th century. And I think, um, roughly speaking, I would say half of the people I know in data visualization say this book sort of opened their eyes or, or that made them move into data visualization from some other field, right? Or at least one of the Tufty books. 
Is that fair to say? Is that your perception as well? Or is that just my little bubble of Tufty fans? <laughs> Enrico, what would you say? Uh, well, that was definitely the case for me. I can't say if it was the first book I read on visualization, but one of the first, and it had a huge impact on the way I saw visualization and uh, its relevance in the world and also just being fascinated, completely fascinated mm -hmm. by it. I, mm -hmm. I, I clearly remember this idea, I want to do this. <laughs> it's like when I discovered this, <laughs> I had so no cool. doubts. Yeah. I want to work on this, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I never had a doubt. Yeah. So um, in this sense, Tufti was, was a huge influence. And especially mm -hmm. the first book, I have to say. Mm -hmm. I yeah. still refer back to, to those concepts. And um, I think it's also worth mentioning and fair to say that it's the most structured book, right? Where yeah. Tafti really tries to come up with principles, guidelines, things that stuck right in your mind and you keep reminding yourself all the time or finding mm -hmm. examples yeah. that match mm -hmm. those guidelines. Right. Yeah. Also in, in, in a way that he, he's very good in um, putting uh, observation into into succinct words, basically, into succinct rules that you can follow. Um, and, and that's sort of, as you said, that sort of stick in your mind. And the other thing that I think is really interesting about this book is that it's a very rare, up to this date, it's a very rare combination of uh, design. I mean, a lot, mm. like a, a huge part of the book is about design excellence. And it's not just that he writes about it. He, like the, the book embodies this concept, right? And this is very, up to this date, uh, it's very rare to have uh, this, this like really uh, close combination of scientific rigor that mm -hmm. he's also campaigning for throughout the book um that's like like also a huge part of the book campaigning for statistical rigor um and and scientific rigor but also for design excellence and um and the book is um yeah the the way it's laid out and the way it's arranged um is also very very convincing in that sense and i don't know very many other books who've achieved that Right, this mm. this combination of intellectual rigor and and design. So I that's guess true. that's the German also word Gesamtkunstwerk comes Gesamt, to mind. Yeah, yeah. Gesamtwerk, <laughs> and that's probably also part of why it was so influential. And uh, what uh -huh. I was going to add was that uh, I know because because Moritz, you said that many people got into the field through this book. Um, what I want to add is that, um, interestingly, I think he made a huge step into the design community who uh, saw a first, you know, who saw a book that was that was very well laid out, very well, that had, you know, a lot of design principles in that, but was uh, uh, tackling a field that the design con community wasn't really interested in before, you know, before this book came out, before the 80s. So there was... I think that the people who looked at design and, and uh, in visualization, that was really just a very few people. And so I guess uh, this is one very big achievement of this first book, um, mm -hmm. having, having, ha having made popular the whole database field in the design community. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, think I think we'll discuss his key concepts also later, but we, we can also mm -hmm. first give a bit of an overview of his total like series of books, right? And then sort of dive mm -hmm. into the details there. Sorry, Enrico, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, that, that's fine. I just wanted to say that still today, I think people who are not working directly in visualization, but um, when they 
talk about information design or give suggestions about information design, they would refer anyone to to yeah. Tufti, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. First book, uh, Visual Display of Quantitative yeah. Information. True classic. <laughs> Second one, Envisioning Information. Yeah. This one's a bit more qualitative and a bit more varied, mm -hmm. a bit more illustration heavy also, like it's more colorful mm -hmm. and more pictorial uh, is mm. my recollection, yeah. right? So yeah. it's a really nice compliment because the first one is really about data and little dots and lines and, you know, numbers. And the second one is more about con concepts and categories and topics, themes, thematic uh, illustration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really nice one yeah. too. I, I love this one as well. Um, the yeah. third one... I, I think what oh, it does okay, there, yeah. sorry, just briefly, mm, I think what sure. it does there still somewhat systematically talks about color in a system somewhat systematic way <laughs> and he has this concept of layering and separation that i think mm -hmm. it's hard to grasp visual hierarchy yeah. visual hierarchy so that th there are some and i if i'm not mistaken correct me if i'm wrong i believe that the idea of small multiples appears there first and not in the first book Maybe he I'm has wrong. It in the first book, but it's called <laughs> oh, Philip's plot. Oh no, the Philip's but, plot was the connected yeah. scatter plot that appeared there out of nowhere, and I was like, "Wow, yeah. it's a connected <laughs> scatter plot from the '70s, and now everybody thinks it's a new invention." But Tufty yeah. had it like on page, I don't know, 17 in his first book. So <laughs> that's that's like fun. But yeah, the small multiples. Maybe they came in the second book. Could be. I, I think yeah. he has a, ch a whole chapter. Yeah. On small I know it's multiples. on page 48. He has a, a small multiples page. Oh, small I multiples see. of connected scatter plots. Oh my god, keep <laughs> <laughs> still in my heart. In eighty what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's from the seventies. So you know that's yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. So we keep rediscovering all this stuff that Tufty has yeah. already like discovered in the eighties. Yeah, that's the way things go. Anyways, good book too. And uh, then we have two follow-up books: Visual Explanations and Beautiful Evidence. I would say it's mm -hmm. fair to say these get a bit more anecdotal. Like each chapter presents one idea, but it's not an overarching yeah. argument anymore. But it's mm -hmm. more like, hey, here's another thing I'm interested in now. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> less of an uh, overarching theme, right? Yeah, it's more like, and it's like he goes into sculptures or he goes into, um, I don't know, individual techniques he's interested in. But it, it becomes more a collection of interests mm -hmm. what is uh, what is something that is new in those later books uh, is sort of uh, an, an interest in pictorial strategies sort of like um, how can you use images to sort of persuade or uh, bring evidence or mm -hmm. something so but as you said it has a bit of an anecdotal character and that he just sort of finds and I think generally that's sort of one of his uh, his strengths really through all of his books that he he's very well he's very well in very good in curating stuff in finding mm -hmm. information finding examples is showing their relevance for for the whole practice of visualization and um, Sometimes um, a bit of a bit more synthesis would be would be revealing to see how you could use this particular strategy or how you could this particular method and device. Um, but overall, it's very good to have all this uh, knowledge or all these examples collected. And uh, I think, yeah, mm -hmm. you are now, we are now with the third one, right? Visual explanations, images yeah. and quantities. But beautiful yeah. evidence, I see these two as very similar in a way that they present mm -hmm. the 
mm-hmm. same style of arguments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So for the listener, maybe the third one was called Visual Explanations, Images, Quantities, Evidence, and Narrative. It came out in 2006. And the title of the last one is Beautiful Evidence. Good title. Good title, yeah. <laughs> I don't... I don't. <laughs> And How come you like yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> he has a thing for good names. So maybe one of his big contributions is also just finding catchy names for an already existing stuff, like small mm-hmm. multiples, spark lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has this thing with finding characteristic names. Yeah. Which is, it sounds maybe like as if you just put some some tarnish on something that was already there. But I it, I think there's also a cognitive thing in that mm-hmm. because, you know, giving these things a good title is, you know, it, as, as you said before, it makes, pe- it makes people remember those concepts. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that there's an achievement in that because, you know, in, in the sense of uh, these books are books that many people read who want to go into the field and have done so over the past two, three decades, basically. Yeah. So if, if these titles make people remember those concepts, then there's something good about that, really. Because, yeah. you know, he's, he's really good at pointing his finger at it and say, hey, look, there's, there's some really good stuff in that. And, and it can do something, like, on a cognitive level. So Th- That is true. Yeah, yeah. And, like, being precise about what you mean with a certain new concept you coin, I think that that can be super mm-hmm. helpful. At the same time, sometimes people think just because you coined a term, you invented the whole concept or the whole genre. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's not true in, in some mm-hmm. cases. Like small multiples existed before or sparklands existed before, but just weren't mm-hmm. called that way. And now because mm-hmm. David Tafti coined the term and sort of illustrated yeah. the concept really well, people think he invented the whole thing, which is not true. But I, mm-hmm. I, I see your point as well. Yeah, that, that mm-hmm. there's a whole merit in being able to providing a succinct definition and a good name to something that's complex. Yeah, and making people remember the concept mm-hmm. and, you know... It's maybe... almost like a data vis strategy in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I, I think some, look at that. Some, some people have this amazing skill of co- coining some terms that stick. Yeah. And... Um, it's useful. I think it's useful. It can also mm-hmm. be detrimental to some extent, of course, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I agree with Sandra. The the mere fact that you attach a label to a concept, now people remember that, right? I'm thinking yeah. other examples from other people, right? I don't know. System system one, system two thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. Once you mm-hmm. once yeah. you understand, it's super simple, but yeah. right? <laughs> it's like, also really a bad name, but it works. It, it's reason. horrible. It's horrible, right? <laughs> but here we go, right? And we yeah, all know yeah. what we're talking about. That's true. Yeah. Or I don't know, another Ben Schneiderman is really good at doing that, for instance. Yeah, yeah. He always yeah, yeah. comes up with really good acronyms, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, overview first and details on demand. Yeah. Yeah. Once yeah. you hear it, it's like, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. Yeah. Right? And it's, so. but, it's, but it's so true. And, and you know what? The funny thing is that overview first, details on demand. I, I have often used it in, uh, in, in presentations about historical stuff, like way <laughs> before uh, uh, interaction design, uh, yeah. because, because basically this is a strategy that people have used in, in old maps. Like, right, you, you, sure. could, you can, if you have a huge wall map, you can go back, you can step back and see it from a distance and, and get the whole picture. And then you can go into it and zoom in. I mean, you can do that. You could do that before, before digital media. And so, but it's really good to, to 
to to put this concept into this uh, phrase uh, because it makes people remember it and also puts a light on this uh, or sheds a light on this specific strategy, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely true. And finally, then we have the Seeing with Fresh Eyes, Meaning Space Data Truth book, mm -hmm. uh, which I personally must say, I, I find it maybe the weakest of the five. So that's why I wanted to sort of lay out the full sequence first, because the <laughs> mm -hmm. other ones are so strong that the expectations are really high. And this one really seems like a collection of uh, not totally finished like chapters, is my feeling. Um, again, there's really good thoughts in there. There's, there's a really cool chapter on typography, which is something mm -hmm. that's often undervalued oh, in data yeah. visualization so much, or not yes. looked at systematically and it's so important. And it is a form of data visualization, how you arrange a sentence on a page mm -hmm. or where do you do the line breaks and mm -hmm. what do you make bold or not? You know, it's super powerful. Um, there's, yeah, there's stuff on, on annotations. There's, there's, it opens really wild, like, like loose, um, stream of consciousness type thoughts. And so he clearly tries something new in a way. Mm -hmm. Also with the layout, like the layout is sort of weird actually, mm -hmm. but experimental, let's say, <laughs> to frame it positively. Um, yeah. Yeah. But for me, it didn't quite click uh, as the mm -hmm. other books. Uh, I mm -hmm. must say. How, how about you guys? Well, I think it was, um, the, in terms of layout, I think uh, it has, it looks deliberate to me that it's more, um, how do you say that? It's it's more a con like a web of associations. Yeah, that collage. Ha that's like, how it, or, like yeah. a collage kind of style, um, which is sometimes hard to like to cut through the mits, mist. Um, uh, it doesn't have the the very clear structure and, and uh, threads, basically, that you have in, for instance, in the first book, you know, it sort yeah. of just guides you through. Yeah. But also maybe you could see, like at first I had the same feeling like you, Moritz, that I was basically overwhelmed with the layout. I just, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't really find my way through it. But it also may have been, I think it may have an association to, um, yeah, or, or it is a web of associations that you are presented with. And what I'm missing a little bit is sort of the, the, the guide, the guideline that takes you through yeah. and, the, and the synthesis. Thin, th synthesis. <laughs> and, um, Maybe his first two books are like really modernist and now he's entered the postmodern age. Is that what's exactly, happening? Exactly. That's, yeah. that's sort of how it feels to me. <laughs> um, and, and in that sense, it, there's, a, there's a huge wealth in it, a huge wealth of, of examples and and uh, ideas um as you said it's um i didn't really understand who it was for um in in the sense of is is it like a textbook mm. is it for people who are looking to go into database is it is it for you know is it more for an advanced audience i wouldn't really be able to tell because there's also um i guess um the, the, for instance it starts with uh, some remarks on what i would call scientific rigor and mm -hmm. you know rigorous thinking uh trying to question assumptions things like that remodeling conventional models is remodel conventional models is one of his uh, phrases and claims and that for me goes into something that what I would call, you know, general scientific hygiene, 
that yeah. students should be taught mm. and mm. that shouldn't mm. students and everybody who's in academia should follow. Yeah. Um, and or there's a huge chapter on how academia is broken or why so many, mm. the replication crisis and all of that. That seems to be the biggest part of the book, actually. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like taking science apart. Yeah, and then we have, as you said, we have the content-responsive typography uh, and, and the, the whole notion of annotation and how you can do that. Uh, which has a lot of interesting concepts. Uh, then there's a lot of uh, data analysis, um, remarks about data analysis when truth matters, and um, some notion, some remarks about lists, mm. at, uh, some remarks about instructions at point of need. Uh, again, something that I thought was an interesting concept to, to have annotations and instructions at what he called the point of need so that they're mm -hmm. like placed precisely um and then yeah, there's that's another element more. that is often overlooked in in visualization or very mm -hmm. often and super important yeah and again i thought it's 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 a very good phrasing that sort of uh directs attention to the problem which mm -hmm. is which mm -hmm. is a which is an achievement and then the the last chapter is on uh remodeling non-fiction presentations so how to get smarter and shorter meetings so it's a sort of a mixed bag, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, my recommendation would be if you have the other four ones, you need to buy it just to complete the series. <laughs> if you, so you, if you don't own of any exactly. of the Tufty books, start at the beginning. Uh, that, uh -huh. that would be my like, you know, the the quick uh, <laughs> summary review, <laughs> maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean maybe just to to make sure. Because not everybody might be familiar with his main concepts from the earliest books. Maybe we should go through mm -hmm. the his his yeah, key contributions, right? Just to make sure mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. pe pe people are familiar with them. So, yeah. what what would you say are the main concepts he presents in the first books? Um, I think I've said it before. Uh, what I think is is a huge achievement, and that's really what made him famous. Um, is the, the combination of claiming, and, and that really happened in the first book. And as you said, Moritz, it happened on the very first pages. So it's like you 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 go into the book and you're drawn into that. And that is the combination of uh, claiming scientific and or statistical rigor, uh, claiming rigor in treating in how you, how the data are treated um, in visualization. So just to what I like to call hygiene sometimes, yeah, just a, a good way of working. Um, and that combined with a high, with the, with claiming a very high design standard. And what I liked about his work was that he said, you know, we need a good design, not just as, you know, it's not about decoration. It's not about luxury mm. design. You know, the, the fact that it looks good is not just a luxury. It's a necessity because it helps uh, perception. It helps the way, you know, uh, data is mediated. And um, so this, uh, this contribution of him showing the importance of design and embodying this by, you know, self-publishing his book, just as a side note, because we haven't really said it, um, he tried to find a publisher. As I said, he, um, he had been researching the topics of the book. He was also connected with uh, a few other people, such as Howard Weiner and, and Micah Friendly and others, who were sort of trying to re, um, rediscover ideas, older ideas about data visualization. He had been researching for the book uh, yeah, sometime in, in the 70s, ready. Hadn't find, didn't find a publisher who was willing to 
uh, who was willing to make sure the design standards that he wanted, and like the placing of images with the text and, and the quality of images, like, you know, the quality in which images are printed, all that stuff. And I know that it's up to this day, academic publishing and images is a difficult question. Mm. And so he didn't find a publisher who would do that, who was willing to do that, who was willing to invest that money also. Mm. And so he took out a second mortgage on his home to in order to uh, publish a move, book. no? It's like quite a wow. move. And I mean, seeing, imagine. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Uh, He's. Uh, I don't know where I have it from. I, he said it in some of his books. Like it's. Mm -hmm. it's uh, I, I recall that detail too, and I was impressed with it as well. Oh, I, I think it's. That. I think I have this second. I have the second edition of the first book, the visual display of quantitative. And he says that in the introduction to the mm. second edition. So it's quite. Uh, you must be very, you must be very convinced and very, you know, it, it must be a very important topic to you. And he's done that. And, and I think he's really shown, uh, I think his wife is a designer, so he does have this knowledge, you know, close by. And I don't know if they work together on the book, but uh, you see this in the first book, this, mm. this uh, level of design excellence. And he's also talking about it. And, and this combination, statistical rigor, design mm. rigor, together, that's like... Uh, like also practice think, what you preach in the sense that you, exactly. you have a theory, but you prove the theory by doing it sort of yeah 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 and i think yeah. that really gave a huge push to the whole field um uh, also in in making it appeal to a lot more people uh rather than just you know a few statisticians basically and um yeah and and just making it uh, also for a huge public making it more attractive mm -hmm. so the other thing that was um personally for me super interesting and super exciting also was that he um, went and went about and tried finding historical stuff so he really wanted to go back and see hey where does this all come from um, I know that practically back in the 80s it was actually quite uh, quite quite a bit of work to find historical database because there were no specialized libraries there were no online digitized archives of anything um, he and a few other people actually went through like actually went through uh, catalogs of, of like uh, map dealers and rare book dealers to find historical atlases of database to find historical like broadsheet prints etc and so this much of this has gone into his first book um, some of you will know that he has also collected like he's built a collection of historical stuff uh, some of which has made its way into the book and he uh, I don't recall the exact year but I think around 2010 um, he uh, sold this collection with the Auction House Christie's um, but just like the fact that he's put so much effort and probably money into building this collection and and just trying to get a sense of you know what is this, the, the history that we have behind us um, was really revealing to me personally and mm -hmm. I think to many many other people in the field and he's also um, he's also made it popular like the whole idea of me looking into Minara for instance goes back mm. to his first yeah. book yeah so and, and there's so, a, like a whole young generation now of, of folks looking into the historical side of database and like finding exactly. obscure yeah. books and exactly you know, and that's, that's, really and that's uh, again that's something uh, that is uh, it always was a, a collective effort. Like he was not the only one. As I said, some other people mm. were always also involved. Um, 
um and also now also today like i've published some stuff but there's also other people like uh jason forrest and rj andrews and and many pe mm. people who are really digging to find stuff and like the more we dig this it's like it's it's huge it's becoming ever bigger um uh, so we see all of this tradition that we have behind us and all uh, all of what we can build upon but it's tufty who really made this popular who mm -hmm. really mm. who really yeah. said hey look let's look at that that's so interesting and we need to know about that yeah i think it would be um if i'm not mistaken he never really describes in his books what what is the process that he followed to do that right mm -hmm. are there any accounts about how he got started or what process he followed it must be a huge amount of work right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> you mean the the historical research or the, yeah yeah the historical research general? yeah well as i said I, I think back in the 80s it was really a lot of um a lot of traveling talking yeah, to right? dealers like rare book yeah, dealers antiquarians yeah. uh map dealers and and just like being in in touch with like a number like a network of people there's yeah. also a, a community in france of people who was looking into that so there was you know of course the french uh, the french rare book dealers who also had the uh like the statistical atlases of, of the late 19th century were collecting them and stuff so there was a lot of exchange between yeah. you know france and and the u.s and between Michael Friendly and and Edward Tufty and so several people were working on that and I think they also worked together like you know they saw they saw one piece there with this rare book dealer and one of them would buy that and then somebody else would buy another piece from another dealer and so you yeah. see they sort yeah. of had as I said it was really a collective effort and you couldn't they actually had to buy that stuff yeah. Um, yeah. because you couldn't you know, as I said, there weren't any kind of uh, digitized archives or something, yeah. or uh, yeah, other. Otherwise, you would just have to travel to Paris to look at something in in a real archive. Mm. And um, so, yeah, um, as I said, he was not the only one to do that, but he certainly, through his books, he's really managed to popularize the whole topic and make us aware that it's not something new and that there's that there's people who have done research on this. Like since way back when, yeah, yeah. So these, I think, are are the the, the main contributions that that made him resonate for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd move like to move the discussion a bit also to what Tufty thinks makes a good data graphic because I think he has a very mm -hmm. clear theory there, and I personally have a bit of a torn relationship. Like in some aspects of the theory, I I, I totally find myself, and in other aspects, I find like ah. Oh, Maybe that went a bit too far, or sort of in the way it was then uh, mm -hmm. executed in the world, like took things too too much to an extreme. And, and I'm curious about your thoughts there as mm -hmm. well. And I, I think the main idea he presents in his first books is really every single pixel in a graphic should should be connected to data and and present data. So it's this sort of really extreme purism, um, minimalism. Um, which yeah. is great and which can lead to really super elegant and, and clever and really rich graphics. So I think if if it's done well, it can also re lead to something centrally very rich. So it doesn't have to be 
deprived of, of experience just because you're minimal. Mm -hmm. um, but he also introduces these ideas of a lie factor, like how much is a, a graphic misleading, or he talks about chunk charts. So he has certain, certain types of graphics, data graphics, that he says are really actually bad or like trash in a way. And often that's connected to non-data illustration elements or mm -hmm. like cutesy ideas <laughs> or like <laughs> not totally super highly functional stuff or not obviously functional stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that led to a certain austerity in data visualization for a few years or that sort of over, like, exaggerated. But Tufti said we cannot add icons, you know. They're, they're, you know, <laughs> that's, that would be confusing to the people. They That would uh, sort of ruin our data ink ratio, you know. <laughs> so I, mm -hmm. I, I think... Tufty himself enjoys interesting visuals, like even if they're not database. So clearly, you know, he does, he has all these mm -hmm. examples. But just the theory he presents in the books, and that theory is not proven empirically. So that's another point I want to make later. <laughs> but in the theory he presents in the books, I think it comes across very much as very restrictive and very no fun allowed. And Yeah. I would argue history has proven him wrong because we have seen really, really successful data visualization mm -hmm. that where not every single data point um, is directly connected to data and that has illustrative elements and that's like very handmade. Maybe think of Georgia Lupi's work or Nigel Holmes, who he really bashes in his books and who is mm -hmm. definitely a really influential data oh, illustrator, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. to yeah. a sort of... He does great work. And if you look at what's today, let's say, the standard for data visualization in magazines, on websites, it's not very Tuftian, right? And I think we have moved on from that pure idea of, or that maybe idealized idea of the pure data chart that is ideal in any way. What's your take on that? Yeah, Enrico, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't know where to start because I have so many things <laughs> so to say. Many points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm overwhelmed by my thoughts. <laughs> Take it one by But, one. Um, no, um, a couple of things. One is part of me is I, I don't disagree with you, Moritz. Um, um, one thing is I'm, I'm wondering if partly is all theory is a reaction. It's a strong reaction to what he was seeing or how he was seeing data graphics being used in in the world, right? I suspect that right. he came yeah. from this whole idea that uh, statistical graphs uh, are mostly being presented to the to the large public through newspapers and they're mm -hmm. often like complete garbage for, for <laughs> lack of a better word, yeah. <laughs> right? To say it bluntly, And mm -hmm. maybe probably he overcompensated for, for right as a reaction to what yeah. he was seeing okay. around. Yeah. I don't know. It's an hypothesis, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. I never spoke with with Tufti, so yeah. I, how do I know? But but it maybe, seems plausible. Maybe, like yeah, right, yeah. I think it seems plausible. Um, what else did I want to say? Yeah, he has all this concept like data ink ratio, lie factor, junk charts. Oh, oh, I think. Everyone has been influenced by that. And uh, I, I, I certainly have been influenced by that a lot. Um, I think part of me is also, I think visualization has changed quite a lot over, over the years. And these, um, I think maybe another way to look at these 
um, tension, so to speak, is that um, I think Tufti was mostly addressing the idea of having efficient graphics, right? This idea of efficiency, mm -hmm. right? Whereas um, we now use visualization for different kind of purposes, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So visualization is can also be used as having an experience, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there, there are lots of really good designers. I think you mentioned Georgia. I think it's an excellent example there. Um, in her work, you you are not only extracting information from a piece of graphics, but you are having an experience, right? right? And if you want to maximize for experience, now maybe maybe data ink ratio is not your mm. most important yeah. parameter. Or right? memorability, right? And or we have studies showing right? that yeah, more embellished graphics can yeah, be more exactly. effective in terms of memorability. Right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm. Um, yeah. That's 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 my take on it. Um, um, I just want to say um, I'm gonna throw a challenge at you, Moritz. Ooh, <laughs> I love challenges. Your work looks to me mostly like striving for. Um, I think I, I know you well enough to to say uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know me well enough I'm to cheating here. Me really well. I'm cheating yeah. here, but. <laughs> Every element in your graphic has to matter, right? I know. So, yeah, that's right. The thing. So I think you're kind of faking it. I know. <laughs> it sounds to yeah. me that you're kind of faking it yeah. to some extent yeah. because mm -hmm. uh, your work is very tough tasks in some in yeah. some sense. Yeah, that's why the love hate um, relationship. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Mm? No, yeah, I don't have anything to add. I just wanted to, yeah. to make fun. Maybe of I can give it some some <laughs> more uh, some some. I f I feel like we don't see this. Um, uh, or uh, let's let me say it uh, differently. I think we should see this more in a historical development. The first book came out in 1982, yeah. and I said yeah. the research goes back to the 70s. Yeah. I think you're right in saying uh, much of it was a reaction to what he saw, but generally what we can say is um, the field was always, um, at least at that point, the field like like in like uh, second part of the 20th century, the field was already at least differentiated into something that was the media, uh, newspapers, magazines. Mm, yeah. They had been using mm, graphics mm. for a long time. Yeah. We also have this other field of scientific, uh, like, you know, diagrams in scientific mm, uh, yeah. contexts. Yeah. And he doesn't really, I mean, he, he has examples from both ends, but he never really differentiates between those two uh, fields. Mm -hmm. And that's what mm -hmm. you said earlier. We have, we use visualization for different ends. And, and that has been the case back then already. Um, and I think some of his criticism is uh, more related to the media graphics from which he asked more statistical rigor and said, hey, people, you cannot do that this way. Right. It's just 
statistical crap what you're doing just to make it look interesting. You know, that was targeted at media graphics, at, at media like newsroom departments. But then the other stuff, um, much of much of the design excellence, the graphical excellence, I think much of that goes for the more scientific community that we're using diagrams for whom I believe um, mm -hmm. I, I haven't really seen large collections of that but I would assume that back in the 70s, uh, 60s, 80s um, much of the scientific graphics were just looking like hell mm -hmm. yeah. and so I would assume but that's a speculation that you know it would have been helpful to sort of dis differentiate this more and say mm. like hey these people need more of that these people need more of that but then uh, you know we had we had graphics for different uses back then already and um, I guess also we need to look at the fact that again the book came out in 82 and he just managed to build himself such a reputation which is great right, but right. um um through this and through th through those sentences being repeated all over again again and again and again they sort of had this this uh you know the 10 commandments of database <laughs> exactly, uh, status exactly. and that sort of <laughs> them being repeated all over again yeah. Uh, which which has it had something good. I'm pretty sure. And mm. as you said, Moritz to to uh, Enrico to Moritz, uh, it had an influence on on our generation. Absolutely, like yeah, a yeah. deep influence. Mm. But at some point, it just became like uh, you know carved into iron into stone. Yeah. And at that point, I think uh, we had some criticism coming up where yeah. people would say, "Well, you know, it is true, and you know there is some truth to it, but you know you need to see this more in context." Yeah. Or there's there's more to it, and and always take it with a grain of salt and understand that it originated mm. in a certain context. That his mindset is very print centered, also. And mm -hmm. by now we have oh, digital yeah. design, and we have all kinds yeah. of media. We have motion graphics, right? And and I think he's to some degree acknowledges that, but doesn't really quite grasp what what a fundamental change that can make to a design that it's presented on a totally different medium. Um, I, I recall in his books he. he criticizes these thunderstorm graphics, but that were really crappy TV sets and he makes these beautiful print redesigns, right? Which, of course, <laughs> it looks awesome in print, you know? It's, it's, you know, uh, Or like yeah. these iPhone weather app redesigns that really would work on an iPhone. And and I think yeah. understanding like, yeah, the, the context he's coming from and what he was arguing against at the time maybe makes one realize, oh, okay, it's it's a super interesting like total package of thoughts and and theory, but it also has sort of a limited applicability, maybe you know, and it's not the single truth about data visualization mm -hmm. that that is or the Ten Commandments. I love that <laughs> that mm -hmm. analogy. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. Uh, when I looked through the last book, interestingly, I mean, we said earlier that um, we were having a bit of trouble with the fact that it's basically a collection of of yeah, a collection of ideas or thoughts where we felt um, where's the overarching argument? Like, what is it? What is it aimed for? But I had a moment. I mean, there's very interesting examples of um, what he calls graphical sentences, which is basically relating to yeah sentences or lines of text which are taken out of a text grid and just basically applied mm. freewheeling in space wherever they help the content that is being mediated so that's one of the concepts he also talks about um what is it content sensitive content sensitive content responsive typography and um how 
um, how line breaks that you know refer to specific content uh, elements could help meaning, could help creating, or could help understanding also. And I was thinking, like, at reading it, I was like, um, I was missing the the reference to the specific media technologies in which this could be used. I mean, mm. of course, you can make. He he uh, he quotes uh, uh, one of the famous calligrams by Apollinaire, the French uh, poet. Mm. And of course, it's a beautiful thing. And of course, you can do that by hand manually and like arrange the typography in a sense that helps the meaning. Of course, yeah, when the first but typewriters not, came out, there was a lot of these concrete poetry experiments, yeah. right? And it's, and, and yeah. it's beautiful and i understand the thing and i also understand how you know how it could relate to uh helping uh mediating meaning in database but you know this is not practical how are you ever going to use that in one of the current contemporary mm. database tools softwares whatever but maybe we you know maybe this is something that's more uh you know, pointing towards the future, <laughs> let's say like this. If you have, if you have something like responsive typography, if you have, you know, if you have more flexible things coming up, maybe this is a, a pool of ideas that people can come back to uh, with later stages of technology development. Yeah. Maybe. Because this is ideas that many of them are based in the print uh, universe. Yeah. But I don't know what we we have seen a very fast technological development in Viz tools over the past ten years. I don't know what's coming up. So maybe there's maybe there's a pool, and that's what I like about the last book. Maybe uh, you know it it can be seen as a sort of a bit of a wild pool of ideas mm. that could inform yeah. future future solutions. I mean, the last book is more on the art side again, like. He's always like jumping between art and science, anyways, and I think that the last book mm -hmm. swung the pendulum again to the art side. Um, <laughs> the relation to science is interesting too, I think, because he has, as you said, he presents this rigor and he has this ask for clarity and and like really being really strict about what everything means. And I do think he lays out his thoughts really well in that way, but he never proves anything with empirical findings right i think that that's another interesting mm -hmm. observation i think that he he's all about science except the science of data visualization <laughs> mm -hmm. right enrico is, yeah. is does that match yeah, your perspective or what, what's your thought on that i think it's interesting because some of the basic perceptual studies done in in visualization started again in the 80s right the work of cleveland and mcgill he he must have been or or is familiar with 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 this body of work, right? Especially because it's been hugely influential. I don't know why. I think he never he never really talks about empirical evidence. He might actually sometimes even support, sometimes contradict, or sometimes support his his yeah. his intuitions. I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's it would be interesting right? to ask yeah. him, right? Yeah. <laughs> but there's a weird um, tension I, in saying like, oh, we need to yeah. be super rigorous about our process and justify everything, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, really yeah. well, what we do in our graphics, but then just come up with opinions. <laughs> you know, it's that sort of yeah. a weird tension, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. I think it's also true that a lot of Additional evidence has been collected later on in the years, but mm -hmm. again, he, he never mentions that in the in the newer books. So I don't mm -hmm. know. I honestly don't know. It's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Maybe it's also fine. I mean, everybody has a different role to play in, in such a community or in such mm. a like constellation, right? Maybe his role is just opening up all these doors and then other people mm -hmm. need to see what's and exactly inside and to sort of mm -hmm. organize, yeah. you know, his trail mm -hmm. of, of connections. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah, too. I think when I think about his way of um, communicating his thoughts, I think he really approaches this with the the way designers would do it, right? That I mean, Moritz, you can correct me. <laughs> But I think designers have more of, um, they want to communicate things by example, not yeah. by saying, yeah. oh, this is what science says, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'll give you a concept and then I'll give you a bunch of, bunch of examples that show the application of yeah. that concept. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just a different way of, of learning, teaching and learning yeah. things, yeah. right? And no, by the way, he, as a he side is like note, a design been, teacher, I would agree. And yeah, he, he does right? a lot of teaching in workshops as well. And he has taught like hundreds yes, of thousands exactly. of students. Exactly. And I would agree that the style of teaching he probably has, like coming from the book, then it is, is yeah, it's not a scientific way of teaching, but more a... Uh, a practical um, perspective and and sharpening one's intuitions, right? But in, again, in, in it's, fact, it, I think it's weird because the the content itself is so much about rigor and and um, absolute truths, <laughs> which seems yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. There, there, there's definitely a tension there. Um, But I have to say, even and in you the, can't in do everything, years, right? What yeah. can one person do? I mean, let's yeah, cut up some slack as well. Yeah. Personality as well. <laughs> who, who knows? Yeah. But I'm 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 lacking the general overview. But um, I would assume that he has played uh, quite a role in in just what we said, like uh, gathering examples and gathering oh, yeah. concepts and ideas. Um, not just for Dataviz in, in the more narrow sense, but also for the larger culture of this whole idea of visual thinking. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I was uh, I, in, in the last book, I was missing references to, to uh, researchers who have you know, um, contributed to that line of thought. Mm -hmm. But I would just assume that uh, he has contributed to this whole idea. I mean, now it's everywhere. Like everybody, everybody sketch notes and like visual thinking is sort of like a practical thing uh, that's pervasive. Um, yeah, maybe he has contributed with, with his collections as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Maybe we all wouldn't have a job if... <laughs> <laughs> and the, the visual display of quantitative information yeah. in 1982. I think it's totally possible. But I'm not joking. So yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I am have to grateful say, for that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, Moritz, that going back to to the idea of empirical evidence, uh, in fact, there there lot there is a lot of additional empirical evidence that could be gathered by just sifting through his books and trying to figure out what what holds and what doesn't right oh yeah effectively a couple of the PhDs same is true for there. many yeah. other yeah right <laughs> think about I'm, i'm now thinking about the work of uh, jacques bertin mm -hmm. is the same mm -hmm. same thing right yeah. um even 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 bertin has been producing a whole theory in a way much more structured than tufties yeah. i was just right? going to say yeah. it's yeah. yeah it's it's much <laughs> yeah, more but, detailed and structured and layout and I, i think it's also important that we move on from this practice of okay there's this father figure that comes up with like strong mm -hmm. convictions yeah, no, I, about I what is good 
And everybody keeps nodding and saying, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's, and the other things yeah. are bad, you know? And mm -hmm. I think it's important that we also move on and see everybody's perspective on Dataverse as one perspective, not the, mm -hmm. the perspective. And I think the field is there. I agree. But for I a agree. few years, I was I a bit worried that everybody would adopt the same dogma type views, you know, and sort of all the interesting stuff would be shut down by, by these. Mm -hmm. But person X said this and that, and that's why it's dogma, and we can't do anything else. Um, yeah. Well, it's a it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a pity that I mean, uh, what is great for Ebert Tufti is that he was hugely successful and influential, oh, yeah. and I'm uh, I, I admire that. Like as an author, like wow. Mm. <laughs> um, on the other hand, yeah, respect. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, this may also have. Um, how do you say that distorted the the, the research um, field in the sense that through all the attention put on his books, uh, other voices may have been mm. uh, may have not gotten the attention that they were sure. that they deserved yeah. because for like twenty years I felt uh, everybody uh, like there was a sense that these were the books of database and like yeah. nobody else was writing about it and that was not the case. Yeah. Um, so he sort of took a bit of light away from other authors and researchers who were not so popular and who, whose books may not have been so beautiful. Um, so maybe it's just our task for the future to sort of rediscover that line of research yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, and maybe true thought leadership is not like dominating a space and leaving no room for anybody else, but sort mm. of also elevating others' voices or even dissenting voices the same way, right? Referencing voices yeah, in, also referencing in your books people because that also yeah, makes a yeah, community. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I totally. Agree. Yeah, I, and I think um, um, again, I I never met him and uh, never had any any interaction with him, so I, I really don't know the man, right? Um, in a way, it seems to be a missed opportunity that doesn't seem to engage with the larger community, right? I mean, by now, database is super popular. There are amazing designers out there. Mm. Uh, why is he not engaging with, with their work or, or, their, or these people? Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems to me mostly a missed opportunity. It would be really interesting to have a better sense of, I mean, <laughs> right? A figure like that could actually play a much bigger role in the end and maybe a positive one. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It seems to be a missed opportunity. But again, who knows? I yeah. <laughs> never interacted with him, so yeah, yeah. Can't, can't say. Yeah, and it's totally true. But on the other hand, the man has written five amazing books. So <laughs> 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 no, let's, exactly. let's first do that ourselves and then we talk mm -hmm. again. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. I think that pretty much concludes it, except you have a burning, mm -hmm. burning thoughts or theories. Um, uh, we'll no, I think we didn't stuff, mention, right? yeah, yeah, we didn't mention his, his workshops. I don't know if anyone is, have you ever been in one of his workshops or? No, but or, there's a really fun I, review by Robert Kozara from 2012. He was part of one of the workshops. He did really enjoy it. So there's, if oh, you're looking okay. for a good rant, that's a really nice one. We can link that okay. one. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's mixed things. So some people say it's amazing, has like opened their eyes in like new ways. They're now enlightened. And others say, well, <laughs> I read the books. There was nothing like, you know, nothing sensational yeah. new, but it was good to hear it again. So I think that's yeah. yeah mixed 
but I, I haven't taken part in one too. I, I would be curious though. There's an online version now. They, you can take I was the just online version. Say, I was just going to so, say they're online yeah. now. I mean, they have been since Corona times, I think. And uh, I had the sense that um, they're generally good for like opening up the field to somebody who is not so much into it. Like uh, Robert Kozara, at the time he wrote the review, was like and had been an esteemed researcher at you know one of the big software companies in the field. So he was like he was the he was <laughs> as much as an insider as you could get. Right. So for him, this may have not in the right course but I think uh, it's more targeted to people who are more said let's say on the outskirts uh, mm -hmm. trying to get more of an inside like a general mm. inside maybe that's something for our listeners if you have taken part in a Tufti course yes, let us know if you liked exactly. it or not right exactly, exactly. good yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> cool I think we should wrap it up we're over an hour or maybe if we manage to edit it down we're not but uh, at least we've been <laughs> recording for a while uh, <laughs> thanks for much uh, for joining that us yeah that, that was a great discussion that was a lot of fun and mm -hmm. get the books I mean it's everybody in database should have a couple of them at least and exactly um, yeah we're and the, the first one really as as we've yeah. said like many yes. times the first one is a classic that's that's uh, a, a must have yeah. basically pour a glass I of agree. wine and take <laughs> Go on the right, that is visual display of quantitative information. It's totally recommended. Yeah. Cool. And we will hope we hope we will record soon again, not just in half a year or something. <laughs> so we try to keep the rhythm now going, hopefully again, a bit more. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yes, yes. Fingers, yes, fingers crossed yes. it will work out. Um, and thanks so much for having me. Wonderful it was to really have you fun on. to get Lovely. back together. Yeah. It's, it's great to have you on. Hopefully we can repeat that by times. Mm -hmm. That would be nice. Wonderful. Okay. Thanks so much and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is crowdfunded and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash datastories where we publish monthly previews of upcoming episodes for our supporters. Or you can also send us a one-time donation via PayPal at paypal.me slash datastories. Or as a free way to support the show, if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be very helpful as well. And here's some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, so follow us there for the latest updates. We have also a Slack channel where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, go to our homepage at datastory.es, and there you'll find a button at the bottom of the page. And there you can also subscribe to our email newsletter if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish a new episode. That's right. And we love to get in touch with our listeners. So let us know if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or know any amazing people you want us to invite or even have any project you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Don't hesitate to get in touch. Just send us an email at mail at datastory.es. That's all for now. Hear you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories. Oh, 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 oh,